Hello, gang. Episode number 16. Back again. Good to be with you. And I'm firstly, I must apologise for the delay. Life did indeed take over, and we've been through some very tumultuous times in London in the last couple of weeks. But anyway, it's really good to be back with you, and um, I hope you've missed me. <laughs> but I'm back, and uh, yes, hopefully we're back into the flow of things from now on. So apologies again, um, but hopefully you'll enjoy this week's episode a lot. This week, uh, my guest is Tim Brown, who is uh, the C CEO and founder of GOAL, which stands for G-O-A-L, which stands for Get Out and Live. And Tim and his team are based in Sanford in North Carolina, which is not far from um, a bigger town called Raleigh. So if you have a look at that on a map, Raleigh, North Carolina, and Sanford's right nearby. But anyway, it's a wonderful conversation. Um, Tim's somebody who's come to his gayness, coming out later in life, in his 40s. Um, so really it's him talking about his journey. Um, and his background is not one of the easiest backgrounds to to kind of face this stuff. So he's been through a hell of a lot to get to where he is. Um, but he's just come out and more. Um, but I'll leave that for our conversation for you to, to hear that story. But um, Tim's a wonderful chap, so I hope you enjoy. Um, really just want to talk about, because it's really, it's unavoidable. Um, and I really should talk about, I want to talk about what's been going on in the UK in the last couple of weeks. So obviously, since I last podcasted, we've had two pretty horrific terrorist incidents. Obviously, the first one in Manchester at the Ariana Grande concert, 22 people dead there, teenagers and children, parents of children who are waiting for them to come out of the concert, young gay people who were fans. Um, it was just appalling. Um, and then last night in London, the second time in a short space of time since the Westminster Bridge attack, we had another bridge attack on London Bridge and Borough Market. And uh, so far they're saying there are seven people dead and uh, I think about 50 people who are in hospital and they're saying about another 22 of those are critically ill. Um... It's a part of London that myself and Keith and our friends go to as an alternative to the West End. It's a really quirky, fun place. It's very foodie, especially at the weekends. Borough Market, for any of those of you who haven't been to London or have never been to Borough Market, it's uh, food from around the world. It's a market that's just uh, food-based and it smells amazing. It's a wonderful place. There's restaurants and there's pubs and there's bars. And it's a really fun place to be, as I say, pretty quirky uh, of an evening and a weekend. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's part of my London and it's south of the river like I am. Um, I walk over London Bridge all the time. I've walked over that bridge so many times in my life. And it's one of my favourite views in the world, the view down the river from London Bridge to Tower Bridge. I recently posted a picture on... Twitter, I think, and Facebook, so you can have a look at that. Just on a sunny day, I was walking back 
about three weeks ago on a Saturday evening. Uh, I'd been working over in the city. I was walking back and it was just a beautiful day. And yeah, it's one of my favourite places. Um, I have a good friend who lives right over the road from Borough Market um, and was shut away in his flat watching these events unfold. But, but, London is resilient and the people here are resilient. Obviously, there's initial shock and anger and disgust at, at it happening. And just after it happened, I started to filter through on social media and the like. Unfortunately, that's where you find your news now. And I really felt sick to my stomach. But as it starts to get picked apart by the media and the politicians, some who some who sicking, sickeningly have, have chosen to, to use their this situation, well, try and use it to their advantage and to, to, sell, their, to sell their brand, to sell their politic, uh, which is probably, they're almost as bad as the terrorists. Um, but as all this starts to happen, I think we as Londoners, uh, as has happened before, because we've been through, well, my grandparents and parents have been through wars. And we've had the IRA bombings in the 80s. And obviously, 2005, there were the attacks on the tube. It's, sometimes it's a tough place to live, but Londoners start to make sense of it for themselves. They have to, you don't have any choice, apart from leaving which I did think about. Um, and it's how we deal with it. I mean, all I can say is that seeing other Londoners getting up, dusting themselves down, and, and just carrying on is so inspiring. So inspiring. And today on social media, today's the day after, on social media... It's, I've, I've been seeing it happen, but even more so today, walking through Greenwich Park, which is my local park, which is my place I escape, and seeing couples, families walking their dogs, young people laughing, having picnics and a drink, and seeing people smiling on the streets, and just getting on with it. It, it genuinely gives me a boost of strength and courage and and pride, pride in London and everything London stands for and its diversity. And without being too cliched, it's good to see people posting the messages that London will not be cowed down by these terrorists and that we will continue to celebrate our diversity and everything that's what we stand for. And these crazy, hateful people who commit these atrocities won't kill the spirit. Sometimes you think they have, and there are moments, there were moments last night where I felt that, that they were winning. But they're not, because then I see Londoners today carrying on. I did feel, I don't know, there are moments where I feel 
there it's, I mean it's a very strange time that we live in and and last night I wanted to just pick up Keith and my friends and my family and move to a to a, a quiet countryside retreat never return never come back but today walking around London and seeing at least in my corner of the city seeing people getting back to living and not forgetting the people we lost of course of course it's tragic and it's awful and their their families and friends my condolences too but seeing people getting back to living which is you have to do for the for the people who we have who we have lost i kind of remember why i love this city and how incredibly proud i am to call it my home i mean i've just had a a brainwave while i've been talking um that i might add um one of my favorite songs a favorite song of mine about london by noel coward on the tail end of this interview um i'll see if i can sort that out if i do please keep listening because the lyrics of that are well incredibly important and moving and touch a nerve with me but make me kind of remind me of why London's such a great city so have a listen to that if not I'll put a link to it anyway I think that's all I'm going to say for it about it for now because you know it's it's been a major part of the last two weeks and it has been part part and parcel of why I've not podcasted and I'm going to post this podcast tomorrow Monday and hopefully this finds you all in fine fettle and you're all continuing and wherever wherever you are in the world that you know if you are going through some struggle whether it's personal it's political or it's something even bigger then just to remember that it, it hopefully it's all going to get better well it's not going to necessarily get better but it's ups and downs um and anyway if 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 i can be of any help at all as i say and you think you'd like to chat to me same place as ever i've told you before where you can contact me please go ahead and chat i'm always there anyway i'd like to move on changing the pace so yes um firstly i have to say uh i did go and see todrick hall straight out of oz at the shepherd's bush empire and it was incredible it was so sharp he has a superb voice i mean at times i suppose people would compare it you might compare it to i don't know whitney houston or something he just has this incredible soul voice and he can go right up in the higher registers and right down into the depths and uh does incredible drag has to be said um but it was just a brilliant night a brilliant night so thank you todrick hall for that um but my recommendation i'm going to give you a recommendation because i always do and i always will um is this week is by a band called the afghan wigs which some of you may have heard of before now the afghan wigs are uh their album is called in spades the new album afghan wigs in spades um gonna give you a particular song that i am loving at the moment a song called demon in profile so check that out afghan wigs the album is called in spades and the song is called demon in profile i mean they were 
they were around in the 80s originally and they are from uh they are from i looked it up because i wasn't quite sure if they were from seattle their uh record company is uh, sub pop who are a seattle-based independent label but they are from here we go they're from cincinnati in ohio um and, they, and basically they kind of started out as a garage rock band but now they are um they, they kind of added a bit of rhythm and blues and soul to their sound and that's where at the moment it's kind of a cross between those genres but it's it's great and they've disbanded and formed and disbanded and formed reformed again um but all i can say this current album is is i suppose in the vein of some of the other things i've mentioned i've liked in the kind of the the, the rock um sphere i mentioned the album uh, a few weeks ago by a band called spoon it's got a similar feel to that um i recommend it go and check it out um and then finally just want to say um i really hope you enjoy this interview with tim he's a funny guy as well as well as being incredibly intelligent he's a funny guy um and i really enjoy chatting to him and i hope that i may chat to him again in the future um and finally just say please keep subscribing don't forget to drop your questions to me um on my website on the soundcloud the right hand corner on the envelope um and as i say if you've got anything you want to share and you've been feeling down you want to just have a chat i'm always there for that anyway let's get straight on with the interview and welcome mr tim brown tim tim brown thank you for joining me today um, it's good to be here tim is the ceo and founder of goal which stands for get out and live it's a non-profit organization um to start with tim uh just give us your age and where you're currently based uh, i'm 45 and i currently live in north carolina i'm actually doing this podcast from my parents farm in alabama but uh i'm in, Alab- in north carolina and so I've been there about uh, two years, I guess. Okay. You get to travel. It seems like you travel quite a bit from uh, from bits and pieces. I've heard that you're kind of all over the place at the moment. I am. I am currently still. Uh, I've got a lot going on. I guess you'd say I'm currently mm-hmm. still an army officer, a chaplain uh, in yes. the military, and so I work with special operations. And so that has you know has kept me busy. Not as much lately. But uh, the when we launched Goal, I started getting opportunities to go do podcast uh, and to get out and do some other things. So yeah. it's been it's pretty busy. Um, if you could just briefly explain to my listeners uh, your mission statement for Goal and uh, a little bit about that. Sure. So basically, I came out late in life, and we may talk more about that. But uh, yeah. when I did. I was sitting down and uh, just thinking to myself, you know, I've been for all these years, basically not living my life to its fullest potential. I think. I mean, I've I've done a lot of things, but I mean, I guess for a personal perspective, I had not been making myself happy, but maybe making others happy. And so, mm-hmm. I just sat down one day and I said, I have to get out and live. And that's where yeah. Goal was kind of born. And so, I formed a board established our incorporation in North Carolina and the basically the philosophy behind it is that we want to provide safe out and safe passage for the LGBTQ community uh, while also focusing on the homelessness of the LGBTQ community and suicide which those rates are quite high there 
and to focus in areas where there aren't uh, support systems, so in more rural areas. Uh, and I've actually this week have come to Alabama to meet with a couple of people, you know, some supporters and uh, hopefully financial supporters and then some people who want us to maybe bring a chapter of goal uh, to their location. Okay. Wonderful. Um, just to, you say, so how did you uh, meet the other, the, the, the rest of your board? Where did you, where did you all get together? How did you meet each other? Obviously, I've uh, been watching your YouTube videos and I realized that uh, one of your board is also your husband. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or feisty. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so where did you guys all connect? So Nick, uh, he's the African-American guy in there, has been a friend of mine for probably 18 years, almost 20 years. Okay. And we grew up in the same hometown, basically. I, I lived on the lake, but I lived in a very white, rural part of Alabama where uh, there was very little diversity. And Nick lived in Jasper, which was just uh, 15 minutes or 15 miles from me. But he started to go to church with me years ago in this mm -hmm. very white church. And so... We just became friends and over the years have just stayed connected and uh, really good friends. And so uh, I'd say he's one of my best friends. Okay. And so I started sharing my, my thoughts with him about it and he was very excited. Uh, he's also a gay guy. And so uh, then, of course, my husband by default. So that way, if I kick the bucket um, or he chokes <laughs> me to death, then he just takes over. Uh, he acts like he does a lot. He really does. And I do all this work. But he uh, and then it's is the other guy who he and I served in the army together and deployed to Afghanistan together back in uh, 2009. And so uh -huh. Robert is from Washington state. And so we're looking to add some, a fifth member to our board and that should happen pretty soon. Wow. So how far down the line are you now exactly? It's really crazy, Matt. Uh, we basically, we incorporated in March and I'm really it? impatient. Yeah, wow. I'm really impatient. And, you know, Matt, Nick keeps telling me, Tim, just slow down, man. We're doing really well. And I'm like, no, we got to be doing this and we've got to be doing that. <laughs> and he's like, just calm down. You know, I, I tend to be really anxious. And we joke <laughs> about that a lot. But, uh, yeah, we, we incorporated in March. And wow. uh, once we started putting our videos out and started putting our website and stuff out there, things just sort of people started taking note. Sure. So how are you balancing it between your job and I mean, you know, is it working out? Can you, are you making it work? I guess you are. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Most of what I do is on the weekends and then the nights. Um, yeah. and so, and like I said, I'm, I'm a very, um, I'm an aggressive person moving forward pretty fast. I, sure. I do a lot in a day anyway and don't sit still. And so it kind of fits my personality. Uh, it, it's not real good for marriage and friendships, but it, uh, <laughs> it certainly works for me, you know? <laughs> No, it's good. It's good to be driven. Good to be driven. Um, yeah. Just out of interest, have you had any interest? I mean, obviously, I've contacted you, but have you had any one try and connect with you from anywhere else in the world? So for support, for instance? Uh, you know, you're the first podcast that was uh, overseas. I've had, you know, all over the country, I've done different podcasts. And mm. then in my messages inbox and that kind of thing, people connect with me from all over the world. Uh, Nigeria, which shocked me, uh, and 
Mexico, uh, Ireland, England, I mean, you name it. I mean, obviously not all the countries, but I we get I get contact information uh, or messages and such uh, from a lot of places. So it's growing really, really quickly. Consider it was only March. That's amazing. right. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to sort of a brief history of Tim Brown. Um, sure. If you could sort of tell me initially. What was the first time you were aware of your sexuality? What sort of age were you and what was the scenario? Well, you know, I, I don't know that I had the, and I say this a lot, I, I didn't really, really have the construct in my head and the terms and the things like that for what was happening, you know, to me. Mm. Uh, and I think just interactions and I, with, with males along the way made me realize, even as a young child, that there was something different. And, and one of the things I talk about is this whole nature versus nurture thing, because that seems to be a debate that, is, at least in the U.S., we have a lot. Um, and I, I always say, I don't know that that really matters, because you are where you are, regardless of how you got there. You know, it doesn't matter what car you were in, you got to the same place. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I know some people, that's more important to them, that discussion, uh, just to me. So if it is to someone, that's fine. But mm. So basically, I look at that and say, I think it, it can be both and or, or whatever. But for me... I think realizing that there was something unique and different about me uh, was as early as I can remember. And uh, but I didn't have the construct, and I didn't have the terminologies and uh, yeah. to describe it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, well, uh, jumping into school. So, so how was? I mean, what was school life for you? If you were having that right. struggle, or did you were you able to just? push it so far back that it just didn't play a part in that part of your life? I think I was able to push it really far back. I, I basically, you know, I dated girls and, and, and whatever. They're probably really disappointed to hear that today, but, uh, <laughs> or maybe they feel like, Oh great. It wasn't me, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it was always him, you know, but I, I was very, I was popular in school. And again, I was funny. I mean, I say that and I know people are like, oh, he thinks he's funny, right? Because no, you could brag about yourself about a lot of things. But when you say you're funny, for some reason, that just offends people. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I was pretty funny and the class clown. And yeah. uh, I'm about six feet tall and about 160 pounds. But when I was then, I was really skinny. Mm. And I would sort of build up a front and go and just attack things. And my dad used to tell me years ago, he would say, look, Tim, nobody's more important than you and nobody's less important than you. So when you go into a room, you go shake the most important person's hand and say, hey, my name's Tim Brown. And so that was kind of my mentality. Okay. And I would use self-deprecating humor. Uh, so that way you couldn't make fun of me. I just did it myself, you know. Yeah. And then I would and you know, the problem is I was also pretty sharp. So if you came at me, it would be pretty dangerous for you. You know, uh, I had a pretty, uh, but I was quick witted. And so basically I just, the way I describe it now with terms that I understand, because yeah. to give you a little bit more information about me, I went to seminary, of course, and then I went yes. to grad school uh, for psychology. So I have two masters and basically the, I used the psychology one a whole lot more by the way, but, uh, <laughs> I, I now have these terms. And so I think what I would say now is that I had the real self that was Tim Brown that was protective of who he was and didn't let people in. And then there was Tim Brown, the, the ideal self. And, uh, and there was a great deal of separation between those two. Hmm. Okay. Well, that makes, well, it may make sense, complete sense to me. Um, 
as far as your parents, I mean, I know uh, just a, a little bit from uh, doing a bit of research and listening to other podcasts you've been on that uh, your father uh, was a Baptist minister. So yes, how was that for you coming out to to to, to that situation? Well, strange enough, it was it was easy. Um, mm-hmm. One of the thing, things about my parents that I and again, I say this a lot. I, I'm going to quit saying that because it becomes redundant. But the point is, um, my parents are very gracious people, mm. uh, very loved, gracious people all of my life. Watched them just love and care for people who were very different, who were uh, not what we would call, you know, in, in the world of churchology, I guess, uh, what we'd call normal or, or whatever, acceptable. I like that word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so basically they, anybody would just come in our home. And, and again, we lived in a, for most of my life in a rural setting, but mm-hmm. they brought diversity into our home. And, um, and so my dad actually one time we had very white church and he brought in a, a black pastor and a black choir and, uh, had a lot of flack from it actually, right. but just did it anyway. And so they just were very engaged with different people. And so, I think all along I knew how they would respond, uh, but still was just very protective and nobody knew what I didn't let anybody know. So when I sat down with them, uh, we were riding down the road actually. And, uh, there was not a, didn't miss, didn't even miss a beat. Everything just went along as normal. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it, it, also to a UK audience. Actually, I was going to ask you if you could explain a little bit to a, well, to our non us listeners, I suppose really is, the the Southern Baptist attitudes to yeah to LGBTQ people you know because that's it's for for sure. for, for us it's it's such a world away but to, right. to to kind of get a bit of background on that well unfortunately one word would be hateful sometimes um, right. but the this so I lived in the South most of my life uh, I have traveled the world I have been around lived in multiple states but. In the South and in the Southern Baptist world, it's a very what we call conservative, uh, traditional uh, mindset. Mm-hmm. And that mindset is also based on a very uh, scriptural or biblical perspective. And to, di- to dig a little deeper into that, uh, there, is, there are two terms that are used in the Southern Baptist world, and that is that scripture is inerrant and infallible, meaning that that's mm-hmm. where we go to they go to. I'm not Southern Baptist anymore. Uh, sure. That's where they go to 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 get information about anything, worldview, whatever. Right. And unfortunately, uh, I think it is a misrepresentation of Scripture, which is the way they look at the LGBTQ community. Uh, but you will have a hard time convincing uh, most of them of that. Uh, they mm-hmm. see it as sin. They see it as uh, an, an errant lifestyle uh, choice, uh, probably not something that is something that you were born with. Uh, so that's kind of the perspective. And that's true uh, for a lot of people in the South and a lot of religious groups, not just Southern Baptists yeah. in the South. And, you know, Southern Baptist is a denomination. Uh, and so sure. uh, we have a lot of denominations here. You really don't have as much diversity in denomination as we do. No, no, not at all. Um, no, thank you. That's just sort of quite useful to people from, say, from outside the U.S. who don't have that. And, and it's kind of uh, just seeing your angle and well, their angle as well, really, um, making a bit more sense of it. Um, so 
for you because I I was talking on previous podcasts of my own that uh, I, I was interviewing uh, another actor and we were talking about faith came up in conversation and right. I said that well I hadn't actually had any conversations with friends of mine over the years and it not really ever come up in conversation which strangely then a, a friend reached out to me and said well I've got faith we've just never touched that in conversation and so that sort of brought a lot up and 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 made me think about it and it's certainly triggered off a few conversations so when major was saying what a wonderful guest you've been how much fun you were and but also your background i i just thought it would be fascinating for for me and for the listeners to 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 hear somebody who's still working within that world and how you've aligned any of those kind of issues and prejudices that exist right. to, to to who you are now. Sure. Yeah. And we basically, I'm probably unique. Well, not probably. I'm, I'm very unique, I guess, maybe in some good and bad ways, but <laughs> uh, you don't find a lot of people from the South who have the worldview perspective that I have, who openly express who they are uh, the way I have. That's not common. Um, mm. And even in the army, the army does not care about your lifestyle and who you are and what you do. They, you know, we've settled that issue not too long ago that homosexual marriage is okay. They get benefits, you know, spouses okay. get benefits. Well, that issue was settled. Uh, it gets a little bit more complex when you get into the chaplain world, which is more uh, traditional and and. And, and, and what we call a term that we use is evangelical. That's that's just people who are more like Southern Baptist and uh, yeah. some other believers out there. But uh, so there's a lot of people in the Army Chaplain Corps who are very conservative. Not speaking ill of them. That's just the reality. Yeah. And so so I'm outspoken. I'm I'm a little different. Uh, and you know I talk. Every podcast I've done up until this point has actually been with atheists, which is the strangest thing in the world to me. But right. Yes. Uh, it's funny, honestly, but I, about three years ago when I was living in New Mexico, I met a guy named J.D. Minguez, who was a friend of mine, and he would come down to my office and we would talk a lot, and he's an atheist, and we would just, we became really great friends, and I guess my perspective is I tend to look at people as humans, not focusing on my beliefs, Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I, I, so to me, humans are more important than my beliefs. And, and it's sort of the philosophy I used in counseling with soldiers and whatever. I, I typically outrank the people that I uh, do counseling for. Yeah. And so what I would do, I would remove my top coat, which had my rank on it, when they would come in. And we would just sit and chat. And I would say things to them like, don't preface the things you say to me. Tell me in whatever words you need to use, no matter how harsh they are, about whatever you need to say. And don't mm. think you're going to shock because you're probably not. And uh so that, that's the approach I take to life, I think, is uh, sort of – it's a kind of a tired phrase here in the United States, but meeting people where they are uh, mm-hmm. rather than expecting them to come to where I am. And, um, you know, my this organization, Goal, we founded it specifically as a non-religious organization. It is a social yeah. organization. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the four of you, it sounds like your, your backgrounds are – very varied and and so i mean that's got to be healthy yeah 
yeah, healthy and hell all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice in your, I think it was probably your first video, that uh-huh. it was deciding who was going to who's oh, going to start the uh, the whole thing well, and... you know here i am mr ocd um <laughs> i'm over here thinking i've got a plan and then they're like we're going to get up there and see what's and i didn't know we were going to air that you know and i realized that i'm watching my eyes roll and i'm like oh my god <laughs> i am just out of control you know i'm so impatient <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i i totally get it i'm 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 with you all the way there um just jumping back a little bit as well uh talking about your coming out um and you one of your videos on youtube is the kind of the guide to well not the guide but uh, the assisting to how to come out to parents right um, and you you mentioned about your experience and you were in a truck driving to see your sister is that right yes yes mm-hmm. um and that's yeah. where it happened yeah, we were heading down the road, and I had been through a really tough time outed in, in the Army. Um, just some tough stuff going on. Really dark time for me. Uh, it sure. Just things sort of upside down. I was actually headed to Paris. I don't know. Uh, I've got a really good friend from London. He's not a real big fan of Parisians, but I don't know how it goes there. But anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> you know that constant back and forth between the two, right? Yeah. We yeah. love each other, really. So, <laughs> but I guess. I don't know. I mean, that's what my perspective is from him, but... Uh, now he just he moved to Alabama actually from uh, from London crazy I don't know what was going on in his head right. but but anyway uh, mm. I was headed to Paris for a couple of weeks and canceled my trip and came home and said I just got to take care of this you know and so so we're riding up to see my sister and my niece and I, my brother-in-law might have been up there too but I was just trying to hold it together because you know I'm going to see my niece didn't want to get up there with my eyes all swollen and look so sad and. Sure. Uh, and I wanted to tell her in a different way. And um, and so I did. We got up there and did the things. And that's what I've done all my life. I've just, you know, just sucked it up and been, been myself and, and gotten through things to make sure other people were comfortable, you know. Yeah. That's always, you know, don't want to imposition. I've never wanted to imposition people. And that's one of my problems. And and so mm-hmm. on the way back, we're riding through the community where I grew up. And like I said, love the place. I'm really close to there right now. Love the yeah. people, wonderful people. I couldn't say more about that. And I knew I, I just grew up to be a, you know, what I guess a traditional guy, polite and, and thoughtful yeah. of other people. That, that's where that came from. And, yeah. but there also was a lot that I realized that, you know, this is not me anymore. And that was hard for me to grapple with. And so my dad was talking to him. My mom was sitting in the the back seat. I always clarify because I said we were in a truck. My mom was not in the back of the truck. She was actually in the cab with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a four-door truck, but uh, uh, yeah. so yeah, right. it is Alabama, so you never know. No, right? no. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> you've got to fill it. You got to fill this stuff in for us over here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's Alabama. We had on shoes and we have all of our teeth, but, um, <laughs> but <laughs> so. Uh, so we're riding down the road and we go past my school and that I grew up, you know, high school, middle school, elementary. And, yeah. and it was just overwhelming. And so my dad's talking and then I just start, you know, tearing up and tears just start flowing down my face. Mm-hmm. And that's when I said, I'm not happy. And I don't know that I really understand what being happy means. And I don't know that I know if I've ever been fully happy because I've always worked at making other people, making sure they're happy. Yeah. Uh, and that's when I said, you know, I'm gay and just began the conversation. And 
you know, it was basically, I don't remember the exact words from them, except that it was along the lines of, we don't care. We love you. You're our son. And I can sit here and tell you that I can guarantee you that my dad, even maybe my mom, I don't know, are still probably working through those issues in their head, which is fine. I worked through them for 45 years nearly, you know? Well, yeah. Um, And so... I give people that freedom and we may not agree on things, but we, that's not a discussion because mm-hmm. I've learned to put people before beliefs from them. You know, we never said that in those words, but that's kind of what I took away from it. And, and so that was a, that was a big turned page for me. I mean, that was nice to, to get to that place. And uh, of course my sister, you know, immediately no issues and, and then, you know, honestly, my friends and family, I've really not had a lot of pushback. Um, I've had three messages in one of my inboxes that uh, were pretty stern. But right. I think out of all that I've gotten, that's not bad. Sure, sure. I mean, it must have been, you must have felt such a weight lifting at that moment. Right. I mean, yeah, and the way I illustrate that, Matt, is... Uh, for all these years, many, many years, I carried a boulder, an enormous boulder on my shoulders. And I finally came to to a place where I said, I'm taking the boulder off and setting it down. And and that was one relief. But then what I realized is, so when we say in in goal, get out and live, we want to walk with you through the safe out and a safe passage. The safe passage means coming out is one thing. That journey beyond that can be very, can be more difficult because sometimes, depending on how it goes when you come out, there can be elation or, or at least a relief. But then you wake up the next morning and you may face some pushback. And that's a continual process. And so taking the boulder off of my shoulders and setting it down was one thing. But then I realized I to be bold and to say to people, this is who I am, what I basically am doing is I'm taking a chisel and sort of chiseling off a piece of that boulder. Yeah. And I'm giving it to those people. And I'm saying, hey. I carried this whole thing all of my life. You need to carry this tiny, tiny piece in your pocket. And if you can't, oh, well, tough. Uh, mm. But I'm not going to pick back up for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, also, just uh, it intrigues me, the, you uh, had two tours in Afghanistan, I believe. Is that right? Yes, right. Um, and because you're obviously talking about uh, wanting to be your pure self and um and how you dealt with that in that scenario um how long ago how long ago were we talking i was in afghanistan from in 09 through 10 for 12 months and Mm -hmm. i was there in 12 and 13 for nine months so a total of 21 months yeah and and you know go ahead i'm sorry no, no, it must have been quite a, I mean, just, a t- it's a tough scenario, tough place to be in the world and for the reason you were there, but yeah. also dealing with your own stuff, which is, sounds like it was clearly about to burst forth, shall we say. Right, yeah. And, and that's an interesting thing, uh, you know, I manage my job and this, that and the other, and I've managed a lot of crap for a long time, yeah. uh, in addition to the more crap that some people manage. Now, there are people out there with similar stories that are doing what I'm doing, uh, which is why I'm doing this and saying all these things, because I want them to hear someone who's been there. But uh, basically, you know, I've managed the life of a single person. 
Um, mm. I managed my own home, cut my own grass, did these all, you know, sometimes I paid to have my grass cut, I have to admit, but, but I did all these things. I worked a job, <laughs> oh, and, uh, worked a job. And, and matter of fact, up until recently, uh, I just sold a house that I have in Colorado. I, I had three and now just two and I rent them. Okay. doesn't mean I'm wealthy. It just means I have a house and I rent it. But, um, <laughs> but my point is I managed my own business. I did my own things, all these things by myself, mm. but also managed to deal with what I would consider to be one of the most difficult internal conflicts a person can actually experience. Mm. And you throw on that I was in war, you know? (laughs) So, uh, and, and the first time I was there was during the surge, which is when we pushed a lot of troops into Mm. Afghanistan. We had tons and we were doing what, you know, we call in, I guess you'd say in layman's terms, we were taking the fight to the enemy. We were engaging them, Right, right? Uh, other than wait, we went after. And so, uh, you know, we lost, I think in my, my brigade, that first tour, uh, first deployment, we lost, uh, 51 of our guys. Wow. Uh, then you'd look at coalition forces and as a chaplain, I was just knee deep in that and, uh, working sure. even in the morgue and in OR scrubbing in doing all these crazy things. And it was just rapid. And, uh, so you just, I guess I learned, over the years to compartmentalize things emotionally and psychologically to mm-hmm. them where I was okay. And one of the things I told my parents, I think in essence, uh, when I was riding down the road was here, and I tell this to other, I would tell this to other people too, mm-hmm. that were important. You, you can have Tim this way, or you can have Tim dead. That now doesn't mean I was sitting and prepared to kill myself, but it meant I was scared that in the future, if I had to continue to manage this internal conflict, what that would mean. Sure. Incredible. I mean, I, 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 hats off to you because you've just kind of, you went through all of that, then chipped away at the boulder, mm-hmm. dealt with yourself pretty quickly, and now to be out there offering support for others is in such a short space of time is is a, is quite a leap, but... Um, Congratulations. Well, thank you. I mean, it, you know, somebody asked me about that the other day, and they said, you know, how do you do that? And, uh, you know, it's not that I am uh, basically, it's not that I am hiding who I am because I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very bold about it. And I'm not, it's not that I'm not dealing with it. I have been over the last year. Uh, and so, but when it was time to go, it was time to go. And it was time to say, you know, and I think the reason I did it so boldly. Because uh, you don't have to do it this way. I mean, you can come out to your friends, family, and neighbors, and people at work, and be like, "Hey, guys, guess what? You know, I'm yep. going to start wearing rainbow stuff." I'm kidding, but uh, <laughs> you know, but you, could, you know, you could soft pedal it. Yeah. But I said, uh, no, I'm going to rip the door off the hinges, and the reason I'm going to rip the door off the hinges is because getting out and living like normal, what we would consider, what I considered up until now the normal way, uh, heterosexuals and whatever, people mm-hmm. of privilege, uh, you know, they just do it. But mm-hmm. for me, getting out and living meant if I'm going to be like that, well, then I've got to be like them in my own mind because who am I going to convince uh, to be the, to be authentic if I'm not authentic? Sure. And so, so I felt like it was necessary, even though I know probably my parents like scratch their heads and think, oh, dear God, what's he doing this week? You know, which podcast is he broadcasting? You know, <laughs> but, uh, but it was I felt necessary. And, and it has been 
I guess, backed up by the fact that people communicate with me. I was, I had someone that I know who is a chaplain and I won't get too many details, but yeah, yeah. we're sitting and talking and he basically was in a similar situation and said to me, uh, while we were talking one day, he said, uh, it's interesting. He said, because I've, I've watched you, I've seen your story. And he said, I actually Googled how many of the pills that I have it would take to, to kill myself. And he wow. said, Oh, I'm not going to do it now. And I'm not saying that I'm the sole reason that that was his, that changed his mind, but you know, we had this conversation and then, then he ended that conversation by saying, you know, I mean, I feel pretty good. I think I'm going to be okay. And I'm still anxious and, and whatever, but it's those kinds of things here and there that happen where I realize somebody has to be a, a mouthpiece for what's going on. And, I would yeah. love for somebody else to do it, but guess what? You know, it just happened to fall in my lap, I guess. Yeah, and I, I get, it sounds like it's in your nature. It's there in your nature anyway. It's kind of ingrained it's in true. you. Uh, I'm, I'm a bold person, I think, and I, I tend to, to you know, put everything out there with the exception of one really big thing all my life. And so, mm. uh, and I do attack things pretty strongly. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I it's 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 quite a different world. I mean, you're where you are in the world. Not just I don't mean as far as being in the U.S., but actually where you are within the U.S. And I mean, because I, I, my partner's uh, from California, and yeah. I yeah. spent lots of time in coastal places on both sides, um, San Francisco and Seattle and New York. And it's kind of you go there and you feel like everything's fine, right? But the reality of you know of just a not that far away is that these struggles are quite different and if you don't have the kind of socioeconomic reasons or the ability to to leave a place and you're stuck and i've discussed this with other guests to to have people like yourselves to, to even if it's just like you say it's a phone call or an email or something that is i i've I've been there. I am there, or I've have been through it, and we're here. It is is incredible, right? Um, right. So. Yeah, and and I think it's, it's hard to for people who aren't in this world that I've lived in. It's hard to understand. Um, I have traveled a lot. I grew up traveling. My parents uh, they go to the Middle East every year uh, to Israel, and uh, mm-hmm. they've gone to Europe. I mean, they've been everywhere, and and so we just grew up going places, even in the United States, you know, I've been to all but four. And, um, so you get out and you see other worldviews. And that's one thing I think that is very healthy, uh, for someone's perspective. Mm. And, and I think in the South as well, we tend to, uh, we tend to hold to our own belief systems. Now I will say this, you will not find more friendly and wonderful people than in the South. Sure. I mean, that's just, they are unbelievably friendly. I mean, it's like, it's almost annoying. They're so friendly. Oops, sorry, I dropped something. They're almost uh, annoying in, in the way they do it. But, uh, but, but they're just loving people. The problem is that there tends to be a very narrow focus of, of perspective. And I think it's just, I'm not really sure why that is. Uh, there's more poverty in the South. Um, and right. so there, there are a lot of lack of educational opportunities for some in the South. Um, and so I think some of those things give rise to what we experience. No, of course, of course, that stuff's going to affect. It happens, yeah, same, same over here. Have you actually ever been to the UK? 
you know, it's funny. It's, I've been to like 24 countries. The one I haven't been to is London or England. Yeah. And um, I've flown in. That's about it. So I've had, uh, <laughs> I've eaten some fish and chips and the little, and had a pint. Uh, <laughs> but I, I've got to get over there because, I mean, it's, it's literally one of the places I've, I've always wanted to go. I just haven't done it. Well, if you ever are planning to, just uh, give me a shout, and we'll uh, I'll I'll show you the uh, the highs and lows. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I do. I get to meet the queen. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, yeah, there I'm is sure an obvious it's... answer there. So. <laughs> Too obvious. Exactly. I'm not going to exactly. go there. Um, talking I of, I have to hurry. She's getting up. Which <laughs> is uh, that clearly your your humour has kept you going and kept you buoyant over the years and um just right. kind of to step away from coming out stories and 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 your backgrounds sure. a bit. um i listening to other podcasts you've been on and and i've discovered that you have an interest in stand-up yeah if you could yeah. tell us a little bit about that and how yeah. that came to pass yeah. i have a big interest in it i'm not sure the audience always does but you know my interest is really <laughs> Um, we, so about a year ago, with the same time, I mean, it's crazy how difficult things seem to push me into, you know, doing other stuff. But right, right. one of the things on my bucket list, I mean, I, I jump out of planes. I did that Wednesday. Uh, I've repelled out of <laughs> helicopters, cliff dived in Italy. I mean, I've, I've done all kinds of crazy stuff, ridden camels in every possible uh, Middle Eastern country and eating things that I didn't know what world they were. So, uh, basically, uh, after getting in touch with people in Raleigh at the comedy club, um, I was there and having spoken so much all, you know, for most of my life, that's what I've done and mm. never got nervous. I don't get nervous when I speak. It's, you know, it's just something I've always done. I've been around people. My dad's always done that kind of stuff and we've been in the public eye. So, um, but I got there and I did my first little gig and it was like five minutes. And right before I was going to go up, I was scared to death. I mean, yeah. I it was the craziest thing, and I'd not experienced that before. So, like, my, had you done any kind of performing at school or plays and yeah, musicals? Or? Yeah, I mean, like all my life. But I think just the overwhelming pressure to be funny on on command, you know, yeah. was different. It was very yeah. unique, and so I'm having heart palpitations standing there, and I'm thinking I'm going to have a heart attack, you know. And so, but I get up there and, and it went really well. And so, uh, I started going back and, um, I haven't done it in, in actually a couple of months because I've been traveling, doing other stuff. But, uh, so anyway, it was funny because I, I kind of think of it this way when I was speaking to people, you know, I'd speak anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. And, uh, the bonus was that sometimes I'm funny and I can be funny and people don't expect it. And they're thinking, Oh, okay. So he's funny too. Right. Right. But when I was standing up there on stage with all those lights, then it was, oh, and yeah, we expect you to really be funny. So now there's the pressure. And uh, a kind of comical part about it was that the second time I went back, it was two weeks later. And it was the it was a first Tuesday night of the month. And I had gone on a Tuesday night before. And so the first Tuesday night of the month was the next one. And that's their clean comedy night. And, uh, as a chaplain, you'd think that would be easy for me. Well, it's really not. It's a struggle. And so, uh, because I'm an army chaplain, right. And so, I, and I, I'm actually being careful here because sometimes words just come out of my mouth, but you can uh, be as 
free with your language as you like. That yeah. takes a load off. <laughs> just falls out sometimes, you know. So, um, but anyway, so I'm standing there, and I the next night it's the first Tuesday night of the month, and she said, "Oh, and by the way, remember you can't use profanity, curse, or any lewd whatever." Sure. And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! Hang on, just a second. What are you talking about? You know?" <laughs> that I just did this, and she said, "Oh yeah, this is the first Tuesday night, and it's family night." And she said, you know, we're going to have, and I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me, right? So I had sort of prepared in my head what I was going to do, and then I just changed everything. And, uh, but it was funny, and I think it went really well, actually. So that was kind of a last minute, just jump in and, and, and try something new. Right. And, and the, the crazy thing is I had actually with me a friend of mine who is a, a African American and he's Jewish. So there's jokes there. Right. And then, <laughs> And I had my, at the time, my uh, boyfriend was Hispanic. Mm-hmm. And then I had this random white guy. And so I just laid into them and they, everybody loved it, you know? And I thought, uh, okay. oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so are you going to do more? Is that, is, you know, is that the plan? Yeah. I mean, I enjoy it. I mean, you know, I don't know what kind of success I'll have long term. It's really hard gig. It's, it's really tough. You know, you have to... Yeah. I think get noticed and be in the right spot at the right time. And, you know, one time I was doing it and there were the two guys from DC who were comedians and they just happened to come in for the stand up uh, yeah, open. Yeah. And after it was over, um, they came up to me and they said, man, you're really funny. And we really enjoyed that. And I said, well, I appreciate it. And he said, how long have you been doing this? And I said, ah, oh, that was my third time. And he's like, your third time. And so, I mean, I felt pretty good about it. You know, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's my third time. He said, have you taken classes? And I said, they have classes, <laughs> I, man. I missed out. Where, where's the class? You know. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Maybe the class would would start to you know uh, temper you too much, and you'd end up being uh, playing it by the rules. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, maybe that's not the way forward. Um, just on that, actually, because I kind of do ask all my guests about their influences and heroes and things, and as, so as far. For when you are watching comedy yourself, who do you, who do you admire? Yeah, I, I really love a couple of different people. I guess maybe three. It will give you um, mm. Robin Williams. I just oh yeah. I mean yeah. I mean Robin Williams was to me sort of the ultimate uh, comedian, and and not just comedian, but depth yeah. of character actor. You know, just I I could sit and listen to watch him in anything and. Mm-hmm. I personally don't know of anything I've ever seen him do that was not just deep and phenomenal. And, and I think he's funny. He's, he's comical. Of course he's humorous. Uh, But I think the one thing about him is just the diversity of character and depth of understanding that he seemed to possess. And, uh, so he was, I think probably my favorite. Um, I love Ellen DeGeneres. I don't Uh sort of impromptu, sort of social comedic just you know in conversations and interviews the observations and, and things yeah. that she makes are, are quite uh, funny to me jim gaffigan i mean there's i could go on but uh, no it's interesting because you know the it's 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 funny that your world has taken you down this route and now possibly you're spending more time kind of analyzing other well uh, comedians right and uh, yeah. no it's 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 this kind of ties in with my world i'm i I like to have a script to hide behind. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, do I, I? Again, hats off for you for jumping out and doing it. It's it's, yeah. a, it's a brave move. Um, 
a few other things. Sure. Um, just kind of on a practical level, uh, if you were talking to somebody similar age to us or younger, and they were thinking of kind of doing something practical, the, the practical side of putting gold together. Right. Um, where did you start kind of on the practicalities i mean you know once you'd got the four of you together how what was your next step well so the next step was we just began to one get our all of our social media live because that's basically the front door i guess you would say to where we are because we're in a sense we're hidden disguised behind a social media social media front and so in order to expose who we truly are and what we are on our website, we lay out in fair amount of detail what we do and what we can offer. And then we also, in our videos, the ones that I do, I make a plea for people to communicate with us. And right now I'm handling most of those communications and with some assistance from uh, some of the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we can kind of manage it at this point. It's, you know, iffy at times we can probably use some help. But so right now we make direct contact uh, when they pe- or they make direct contact with us through uh, messaging, uh, emails. Uh, people can call me uh, and I have had a few phone calls. And so that's yeah. kind of how we connect. Uh, now, to as we grow and as we begin to develop what we've already put in place to prepare for that uh, beyond the social media front is – uh, training people to do what we do in a duplication manner. So, right. Yeah. And so I just today or yesterday met with a group of people in, in Alabama and I'll leave the city unknown at this point or mm-hmm. not. Uh, I met with a group of people last night of about 12, I think. And we began to talk about what it would look like if we actually set up something there. And to basically give you an idea of how that would work, we start out in phases. Phase one is goal community. And that's where we started last night with them. And we build it. We build a network of resources, people, community. And that's, you know, that happened last night at the cocktail party. And, mm-hmm. and we make these connections. Now I'll continue to work with them, probably come back in uh, pretty soon and speak at a uh, church there, an Episcopal church, also at maybe a diversity center there. And maybe speak at the university uh, with some of the faculty and, and maybe some, I'm not really sure who, but so then that will be the next you know, step within that phase, connecting with them and building an even deeper okay. work. And then from there, you know, phase two is gatherings. We'll do an event, maybe more than one. And then phase three would be able to, you know, we'd be able to set up a resource center there and then train people to do what we do. Okay. I mean, this is uh, obviously at the end, I'll ask you to, to leave all your details and I'll put links sure. to, to all your bits and pieces. But um, it's, it's, it's just good because I think, there are a lot more people who are kind of feeling a bit more roused to get up and do something and the world being the way it is at the moment um i, I want to encourage that so yeah to have role models as yourself then you know if people can connect with you and get advice then that's great too yeah and and real quick i would say that you know when it comes to a very practical sense, someone's struggling out there, they hear my podcast or they hear uh, something in one of my videos. I've had people connect with me and, and who, I'm people, I mean, people that are suicidal, people that are really struggling. And so mm. I immediately began to engage there and walk through that process with them and offer myself fully as much as mm-hmm. I can. And, uh, and the second thing to that would be that we want, I desire, want to be in the difficult places 
you know. So as people listen to this and watch these videos, it the challenge to me just invigorates me to to do more. And so I want to normalize the LGBTQ community, and I want to be a part of that normalization, uh, even in places where it is scary and frightening. Yeah. yeah. No, that's what it's it's wonderful. Um, th- th- this kind of brings me to my next question, actually, is how have your have your lo- local gay community uh, taken to your work? I mean, have they connected with you? Have you connected with them? I kind of, as in a, a a local gay scene, want a better description. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, we basically, Raleigh is really the place where I connect the most in Raleigh, mm-hmm. Carolina. And um, I'm, I've been involved there just as, you know, I know people who, you know, own the clubs and stuff, and or at least one of them. And I'm also uh, friends with, recently in the last few months, with, uh, one of the men who work with the uh, LGBT center, uh, I go to and actually spoke at a, a metropolitan community church, which is a mm-hmm. openly gay accepting uh, community. Uh, last yeah. week I spoke there. So I have quite a bit of connection, I think, for the relatively short period of time that we've actually been on the scene. And some of those connections were being built before, but uh, yeah. seem to have solidified this is also another question because it's something I've been talking to all my guests and they've all been apart from uh, major they've all been UK based uh, mainly uh, gay men and in London and a lot of the UK at the moment there's been a lot of venues gay venues closing down um, hmm. for various different reasons, and we can discuss those till the cows come home. But uh, just my question to you would be: Is do you, and I think I probably know the answer, but do you still feel there is uh, use for uh, a gay scene, an active gay scene, as far as bars, clubs, community centres? Do you still think it's useful? I do, but with a different take. I think. One of the reasons that you see some of those things uh, transitioning and shutting down or whatever, I think, um, is related to something I experienced recently. Uh, Mm. My CFO and I went to a an LGBT center. And again, I won't say which one it was. And it was a very it was sad. Like I walked in and I'm like, I feel like I'm at the library, which is not a bad thing. I read. But, you know, I, I walked in and I'm thinking and the people that they were there, we were there to connect with these people and sort of dig in a little bit. And it was very difficult to make that uh, connection there. And and we walked away and we said to each other, dear God, no wonder people don't come in here. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, everything can't. So why do you think that, why, why that was? You know, I, I think because just a lot of things or a couple of things, maybe uh, one the basic footprint and setup of the building. Uh, when you walked in, it felt like a library or a uh, place to do a wake for a funeral. It was just sad, you right, know? Right. Uh, and then it, it wasn't, and then the people there just didn't seem to, they were friendly, but mm-hmm. they just didn't seem to really want to connect. And so, uh, but we, when we drove away, I told him, I said, that's the opposite of what we want to do if we right. build resource centers. And, and so I think, you know, along the way, 
we often within groups uh, because of group think and the mentalities that develop we often get I guess uh, we, we sort of neutralize ourselves we become uh, le- mm-hmm. less concerned more ineffective or less effective and maybe tired I don't know but yeah I, I think there's a need for rejuvenation of the mentality and the perspective uh, and one of the things I think we discussed that's unique is that we just talk about humanity that people are and I may have said this before you know people are important and that's where we want to focus on mm-hmm. people their needs and but also celebrating some things and being excited about some things and so um, so anyway I, I'm not yeah, really sure no, no, th- that's really interesting because um, I, again this is something that's come up a lot is and also for me whilst talking to other people is that kind of reconnecting with a community and when I was sort of in well mid nineties for me, I was very use the word active. I was very active in 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 the community in the gay community in London, and was a lot more political and kind of just was involving myself in going to pride marches and and just because I partly because I'm in a long term relationship and things change and right. social activity changes, but having these kind of conversations is making me realize I need to go back out and perhaps reconnect myself. And I think that's the case for a lot of people of all ages. Sure. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, um, I think there's been, uh, the struggle has been hard for a lot of people and in different places. It depends you know, where you are. I think you, you are more progressed, uh, within your country than we are here in a lot of areas, not so much like San Francisco, obviously New York, yeah. places like that. They're, they're there too. Um, I think it's important to realize when you've been on a journey and you've struggled and you think, okay, things are good now, uh, you often forget that it's not that way everywhere. Absolutely. And and you also forget that it's, I think just as being a part of the human race, that this is my philosophy, I guess, but being a part of the race, we we kind of owe those behind us uh, the effort and uh, the energy to, to make life good for them too. And you know, maybe not everybody thinks that way. That's just, that's my way of thinking. I totally agree. And that's kind of one of the reasons I did start things off with this podcast is kind of not to just say you should remember all the hard work that's come before, but it is to sort of uh, not necessarily even a history lesson, but do remember, do think that the, uh, the, the freedoms that you have, especially in a place like London, um you know they were they were hard fought and right you know that's that, that that's so I'm, I'm glad i'm not on my own <laughs> <laughs> um just a few fun bits and pieces now um though talking about stand-up was fun but um this is something that's come up from last week's episode um i was set a task to answer a few questions from a US TV show called Inside the Actor's Studio. I don't know if you've oh, ever yeah. seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James, uh, I forgot his name. Yeah, uh, can't think of his surname, but yes. So I was kind of given a few of those, and so I said, well, it's been, people have received and enjoyed the listening to the answers, so I'd ask everyone else from here on in a few of those questions. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to chuck a few of those at you. Sure. So what's your favorite word? <laughs> My favorite word. Ooh, probably shit. It's the one I use the most. <laughs> I'm not sure nice. that's a good thing, you know, but hey, you know, it is. 
it's it's there and it's it's it, a nice it's, 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 it's so sad for many yeah many many reasons yeah. okay so what's your least favorite word my least favorite word uh hmm maybe culpable because that means i'm responsible i don't know ah <laughs> it's a funny word because actually it's 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 a good one to say it is it's fine it rolls off the tongue well really well yeah but uh but, but, but <laughs> what it means to you is yeah I, I get you totally yeah um what excites you creatively and emotionally what excites me creatively and emotionally being yeah. able to communicate to people through you know through humor through I, I love to travel and I love to find new people be in different cultures and then test my ability to, to fit in and uh, yeah. and it what's just, been the place that you've enjoyed most in the world so far oh wow I've been so many places let me think here uh, I love Italy I love the coast mm-hmm. uh, there was a little place that's now known. It wasn't as known years ago. Cinque Terre, I think it is, and uh, right. right near La Spezia, and okay. and I, you know, I just love, I love the coast and being out, and, you know, in the water like that. So that that's one of my favorite places. I was married in Key nice. West. I like that. That's in Florida. But... Oh yes, right. Okay. I mean, I'm on a map and on TV shows. Yeah. 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 Um, what sound do you love? What sound do I love? Yes. Hmm, what sound do I love? I mean, I'll give you an example. Mine was the sound of a dog snoring or a cat purring. Those are my yeah. favorites. <laughs> you know, I kind of like the quiet, as crazy as that may sound. Um, I, I like, now that I'm married, I like uh, just sitting and mm-hmm. and not much going on. So I like for things to be quiet sometimes. And that's weird because that's not my, uh, that's not always been the case. I have a very busy mind. My world is busy and mm. it's just a lot of noise. And so, yeah, I like to sit back. I do like to hear the rain. Now I will say that I do love oh, to yes. a great thunderstorm. That's nice. Yeah. 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 I think it's interesting. you saying the sound of silence is something that you uh, kind of get something from, but right. I, I totally totally get that i mean I, I i use mindfulness that's my kind of sure spirituality and and that's where i i have to go because my mind is always working over time so um what sound do you hate what sound do i hate uh oh i got this one uh i cannot stand the sound of a an airplane toilet flushing it's <laughs> Right. It, it's like it's, that. I feel like it's gonna suck me down in there. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yes. Literally, this is no lie, man. I do this every time I go to the bathroom <laughs> at a plane. I will hit the flush button, and it's usually a, a delay, right? So I'll hit that flush button, and I'll cover my ears. That's how. <laughs> That's <laughs> incredible. I love it. Because it's just the swirling kind, but usually it's the kind that feels like your clothes are gonna get sucked off of you. You know. So it's it's the, the the fear of of just being taken out the plane yes. via a just toilet. Make, Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, here's another one. Only a couple more. It's all right. Making you sweat. I like um, it. What other profession than your own would you like to attempt? I would love to act, like you ah. being an actor. Um, I think I could do it. I mean. You know, I've acted for so long to be straight. I did. I played a, just a phenomenal role at that. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, I've got to get an Oscar for that shit. But um, 
I told somebody the other day, they're like, oh, can you keep a secret? And I'm like, can I keep a secret? Like, what? <laughs> you know? But no, I've all, you know, and it's, again, it's one of those things that I feel like if I could ever just fall into something that it would happen, that people would be like, oh, this guy, we can do this, you know? Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's hard. I'm not trying to diminish the, uh, no, 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 but I feel but like I, I think could... your, your, your standup journey, shall we say, could very easily take you into that realm as well. So sure. And what profession would you not like to do? What would I not like to do? I would never want to be an accountant. Oh, yeah. I just know. That's just not me. I just yeah. can't imagine sitting in a place and interacting with people is just part of my world. And I, that's, I love it. And I just can't even imagine being in an office with a computer just looking at numbers and crunching. Yeah. I just I don't even do my own taxes. Of course, your taxes are different than ours, but you know, we prepare ours. Um, it's really crazy. Mm. I get somebody else to do it. That's an easy 250 bucks right there, you know, just to say, yeah, yeah. please. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I have a very patient partner who helps me <laughs> with That's my nice. with my books, shall we say. So Yeah, I have one that helps me mess mine up. That, ah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you guys been together uh a couple of years and mm -hmm. well right before i guess a couple of years before we got married but uh we were married in january so where did you meet in the world we met at in sanford uh, well just south of raleigh north carolina and mm -hmm. um we basically it was weird uh, i had a friend who came over to the house and we were watching, I think we were watching debates for the political, uh, for the presidential election. Okay. Uh, back when they were getting started, uh, I think it was 2000 and whatever it was, 2015 maybe. Sure. And uh, he came over with a friend of mine. And so I thought, hmm, I need to get to know this guy. Uh -huh. And somehow I managed to get a number and then the rest is history. Wow. So was it a, a politically inclined first date then or did you talk a lot about politics no, or was that kind of we didn't uh you know because I, I used to be really conservative and and i'm sort of conservative on some things mm -hmm. uh, he is not and so we don't we don't talk politics a lot um yeah, yeah and his family is um some of his family are, are working through the immigration process and so yeah that can okay yeah so we, we definitely don't talk about that one which we agree <laughs> We agree on things about that, but it's just, it's a very, it's a, and I'm not trying to get into that, but it's a very tenuous time. Yeah. Uh, right now. Yeah. I think we're feeling that, well, it's everywhere, but, um, sure. Yeah. Um, okay. And then, um, finally, um, if you would like to give us all your details and where people can find you and, uh, all your social media platforms. Okay, so our our website is g o a l l g b t q dot org, so that's goal l g b t q dot org, and that's our main website, right. and uh, our Facebook is just goal space l g b t q, and most of our web our uh, our social media is some form of goal l g b t q. I think the only time it's all together is on the website. Um, okay. But yeah, so goal LGBTQ, G-O-A-L-L-G-B-T-Q should get you to Twitter, should get you to, uh, I think we have an Instagram, yeah, and uh, Facebook and all kinds of stuff. So uh, The website's great as well, so uh, yeah, there's a lot there. So And then um, as far as if you want to email me directly, 
It's tbrown at goallgbtq.org. And uh, there's a number. If anyone, you know, I tell them to call if you need you know, if you need us directly to talk with you. And that number is 919-341-9011. And I believe our country code is 01. Isn't that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> when you know that you I have to date myself first, right? Like they think <laughs> you would think we, we always try to take that first spot. You know, we're a little selfish, but <laughs> self egocentric, maybe. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I'll let you say it. Um, but Tim, that's been really great. Um, I say you're always welcome uh, to drop in in London and uh, say we'll show you the the sights and sounds and uh, the highs and lows. So, uh, yep, yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Here, come on over. I mean, it's uh, we have plenty of room in our home, so you're welcome to be here. Well, I, I I'm planning to some point do a bit more of road tripping around the U.S. So that would yeah. be great. And we're on the East Coast, so it's easy to get to places. And, and you know, with me, you get the whole Southern food. I'm a, I cook a lot, and I'm a good cook. And uh, sweet tea, I don't know if you know what that is, probably a trap. Sweet tea, no. But it's a Southern iced tea that has a little sugar in it. And uh, uh-huh. so, yeah, it's probably a real – it's probably like spitting in the, face of a, uh, in the face of a British person to even say <laughs> – <laughs> but uh, it's a little different than your tea. But, uh, yeah. And then oh, this, my husband cooks amazing uh, Honduran food. So, oh really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm sold. I'm sold. Yeah. I'm there. Come on, getting on a plane, <laughs> avoiding the toilet so I don't get sucked down. But yeah, I'm Please. on a plane. Tell him it's a conspiracy. <laughs> Tim, cheers. Thank you so much. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Cheers.